Hi, Coach. Adam Monster Tiger, 24-7 Sports. Doing okay. Have you sensed the same attention to detail from your team in recent yeah, weeks? Yeah, I, I don't sense the same passion. I, I do sense the same attention to detail. The film time has gone up. Um, less mistakes, I think, uh, penalty-wise. We had some penalties in some crazy situations, but we've condensed that over the last couple of weeks. We've been pretty good with that. It's, it's just some little foolish darn penalties that, that – we we gathered today, but the passion, the passion of it, like the passion of that first game, the passion of those games, we, we're missing that. And that's still something we're trying to uh, apprehend and we're trying to locate it as well. Welcome into a new Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Oster Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com. Fortunate to steal some more of William Gardner's time. And William... Uh, We've had too many therapy sessions this season, and it feels like we've got another one on, on coming. Um, it was sure fun early in the season, and, and now during this three-game losing streak with the offensive struggles, it's it's become a little bit more of a chore to talk about this football team, unfortunately. Well, you know, until things get turned around and we get to where we want to be, it's still going to be CU football, and CU football means drama, and drama in this context generally means sort of negative drama and we'll i don't you know we're we've got a lot to cover and we'll we'll talk about it all but uh uh i think the outlook is still pretty positive in the longer term i'm not sure where we are in terms of the shorter term but uh uh it was another rough night another rough weekend and <laughs> certainly a dramatic week and plenty to talk about there as well but um therapy i don't know you know i guess i guess at some point uh, you know, when they were, when, when people were talking before the season, there was going to be maybe a three or four win season or even a five win, you know, shoot, even for that matter, you know, you and I both predicted six and six, and, and that meant there were going to be six, six bad weekends and six losses. And, you know, I wondered at that point, even, even back then, you know, how are people going to handle when we start losing on the field? And the answer is some people don't handle it very well. Yeah. Well, we're going to get all into the decision to make Pat Shermer, the play caller, the Sean Lewis situation, uh, even kind of talk a little bit about Byron Leftwich, who uh, is going to be the hot name to be Colorado's next offensive coordinator. But before we get into all that stuff, let's at least throw some kudos out to what the defense has done since the bye week and what Charles Kelly has done with that group. Uh, they've played winning football the last two weeks. Has it been perfect? No, but not by any stretch. But uh, that has been an, an, an encouraging sign, at least, as much of a mess as the offense has been. Yeah, and I think that uh, people that are looking for the positive future of the, of the prime, Coach Prime era at CU, you look at the defense and you, you look at what uh, Coach Kelly and his coaching staff have done. And, you know, it's very easy to say on the defensive side that all we're missing there is players. You know, I, I think that's the case, although I think, you know, some of those players are coming along. I mean, Amari McNeil continues to impress me. He impressed me Saturday night. Um, you know, uh, um, Jordan Dominic kind of disappeared on the pass rush, but then the secondary really showed back up in a big way. And, uh, you know, that one thing, Oregon State impressed me as much as any team I've seen play the buffs this season, they're very disciplined. They're very big. They're very physical. And that's a good offensive line. That may be the best offensive line we'll see all year. And our defensive line, 
I'm not saying we handled them, but we stood up toe to toe. We didn't get pushed around. We didn't get moved and we did a damn good job. So I think the future of what we see on defense, and I think that defensive coaching staff is very solid. I don't know. From what I've seen so far, we look like a well-coached, disciplined defense. You know, we, we make some errors and we need some more talent up there, but uh, that's certainly the bright side, you know, that the, the full half of the cup, I guess, um, but I think there's a lot of positives there. And I think that uh, with Coach Prime and this coaching staff, we'll bring in more guys. To, and and I, I really see a future for us being one of the top defenses in the country down the road. So I, I'm pretty I'm pretty impressed. I'm pretty excited about the defensive side of the ball, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I'm, we don't have the linebackers we need. We don't have that. uh, uh one pass rusher that we can count on yet. So we still need some bodies over there, but the coaching and the play calling, I think is pretty solid. Today's episode is brought to us by Macaulay Capital Fractional CFO Services. Is your business looking for financial guidance and support, but not yet big enough to hire a full-time CFO? Well, we have a solution for you. Hiring a fractional CFO who can work with your business on a part-time basis you get the benefit of having a seasoned financial expert on your team without the commitment or expense of a full-time hire. And here's the best part. It's likely that a partnership with Macaulay Capital will be a win-win situation, meaning that your business will make more money from the guidance of a fractional CFO than the total cost of partnering with us. For more information or to set up a meeting, please visit MacaulayCapital.com. That's M-C-C-A-U-L-E-Y Capital.com. All right, over to offense. Let me me add one thing to that. I know that for the last two weeks, you know, a lot of people on the board said, well, we're going to get bullied and pushed around and knocked around. They're going to run right at us. and, and, And you know what? It didn't happen. So I think people need to give credit to that front seven. It's not just a secondary, but that front seven has played really. And I was watching carefully and, and, and we held our own against that big, solid offensive line. So I think there's very positive things going on there. And I think, you know, here's a segue for you, I guess. Um, you look at, you look at how the defensive line has improved as the year goes on. You see the value of a coach like Sal Sanceri. Okay. We got to get that guy on the offensive line because the, the you know we're, we're going to flip flip over there and it's it, it's shocking to me to see the decline of that offensive line. They are not as good as they were to begin the season and they get worse every week. So I'll, let's let's segue over. We'll start talking about it. Well, let's first start with the play calling situation, and we don't know all of the details that have transpired between Coach Prime, Sean Lewis, Shador Sanders you know, the first 10 weeks of this season. But what we do know is that it wasn't meshing well. Uh, like you said, in, in going specifically to the O-line in this example, it's it's not getting better. In fact, it's getting worse. And so um, I sat there for a minute and I really thought about my feelings towards this decision um, when, when it went down on Friday. And then Matt Smith and I did an emergency pod and it was – Kind of my end result of it after kind of letting it marinate was that if it's clear this isn't meshing and it's not going to work long term, I'm okay with it. Now, I don't think Pat Shermer should be your offense coordinator going forward unless something miraculous happens here the next three weeks 
Uh, and it's not all on the play calling. We'll get into that too. But it was a long break between the time that he was a college coach. It, 25 years passed. And it's been a long time that he's been out of the game. And I want to see somebody younger. Now that would lead into a discussion we're going to have more about Byron Leftwich. But um, I didn't have a big problem with it. But also understanding that I don't know everything that's that's happened uh, behind closed doors in that champion center. Yeah, I think there's a lot of question marks that we don't have questions that we don't have the answer to in terms of how that that ultimately the relationship. And I'm talking about a three way relationship here between Coach Prime and, and Sean Lewis and uh, Shador Sanders that broke down. You know, and we don't yeah. know what, you know, we're, we're not privy to what happened in, in offices. We're not privy to what happened in, in the locker rooms and in meetings and what happened. But the bottom line is that the three men, you know, obviously Coach Prime and Shadur are going to be fine. But the, but those three with Sean Lewis, it, it's just not it's just not work. Um, and um, I think that uh, to just wait till the end of the season, to me, I I don't know. I guess there, there's an argument to be had either way. But I believe that if. Uh, you know, you're not going to, it appears clear to me that this relationship is not going to be fixed. You know, I, we'll, I'll put that out there as my comment. I'm not, I, I, I can't put that, I can't put quotes on it or anything like that. But if the relationship's not going to work and it's not going to be fixed, then let's make a move and do something to try to salvage this season. That to me makes a lot of sense. Um, um, Shermer's not the answer at the, at the coordinator position and he will not be the coordinator. I would be confident in saying, but, uh, to finish out the season, at least we've got a professional person up there. Somebody needs to work with this offensive line beyond, beyond Bill O'Boyle, because I don't know what the hell's happened there, but they get worse every week. And, and I don't know if they're just the confidence is shot, but, but, you know, I'm watching Lichtenhan on Saturday night. He's not the same guy he was even two or three weeks ago. And I don't really understand what's going on there to make that happen. So given um, the uh, circumstances and and to finish out the season, I don't have a problem. I don't, I don't really know what the – I don't know who's where on the, on the hierarchy now or who's the actual coordinator, who's calling the plays. But I don't have a problem with doing something to finish out the season. Yeah, I – Based on what I had heard in recent weeks, the decision to make Pat Sherman the play caller didn't surprise me. But, man, if you go back to the summer or go back to even right after the TCU game, it's it's pretty shocking uh, what's happened with the offense because I really did think Sean Lewis was a home run offensive coordinator hire. I mean, it was one of the maybe the most lauded assistant coach higher in the entire country this year. And I really thought that was going to be a match made in heaven. We heard Shador Sanders talk about how he would stay up late at night to watch Sean Lewis's previous offenses, not just at Kent State. He was really going back into the archives and really trying to to master this. And early in the season, it looked like it was going to be a really good marriage. And man, I wish I could put my finger on exactly what went wrong. And uh, maybe that's part of the problem is is they can't put their finger on it. So it's it's to the point now where they just don't want to keep trying to yep. jam a square peg through a round hole. Well, I think one of the problems is he's not running the, he's not running Sean Lewis offense. I mean, or at least not any any version of it that, that you can find in his prior stops as an offensive coordinator. Whatever he was doing at Kent State is not what he's doing now. And I don't know 
why that is. And I don't know if that's the source of the frustration, but if, if Shadur's up watching all the video of his former uh, teams running this offense and now he's not running that offense, I would be kind of frustrated by that. If I pre- if I prepared and prepared and prepared and then the guy's calling something entirely different. The other thing that, that is kind of surprising and, and I don't think people are going to miss this. You know, I mean, Sean Lowe is going to get another job, but this, this takes the shine off of him because what's very clear and apparent is he cannot adjust. He cannot adjust. He has not changed his offense one iota since the first play against TCU when it's become very clear. And I don't know what his freaking problem is, but I, you know, once again, last on Friday, on Saturday night, we had 11 runs to the running backs. They should all be fired. I mean, what the heck? Okay. I'm, I'm, that's just, a, that's, an, I'm not saying everybody should be, any should be, should be fired, but what I'm saying is that that's coaching malpractice. They're not running the ball to the running backs, and it works. And and you know our two our two big running back, bigger running backs, are averaging plus four plus yards a carry. And I don't know. Do the math, man. You get four yards every carry. You get a first down every time, and you boot the ball, and you score. And yet they don't run the damn ball. So to me, the shine is off Sean Lewis. I, I wouldn't hire that guy to coach a little league offense. To be quite frankly honest with you, because he can't adjust. I don't know. He, he he brought this offensive line coach who's turned this offensive line into a sieve. So I don't know, man. I mean, it is kind of shocking um, how far it's fallen, you know, how good this offense was. Anybody, any, you know, people say, well, how would you demote an uh, uh, offensive coordinator who's averaging 32 points a game? Well, he's not averaging 32 points a game anymore. So you got to look at what you've got now. I don't know what's happened in those offensive meeting rooms, but something, something has really come apart. And I think, there's no way to sugarcoat this. This is a bad thing and a bad development, and something has gone very wrong. And it's going to test uh, Coach Prime as a head coach, and he's going to have to learn from it and adapt and, and make some changes. And one tiny little thing that's bumped that scoring average up even a little bit higher than what it, what it probably should be is the fact that they've been in two double overtime games. You know, right. the CSU games, they, they put up a lot of points in those two extra periods. So that kind of added onto that total a little bit, but you're right. Yeah. You've got to be able to score 30 points a game in the PAC 12. Um, And when your defense is allowing less than 30 points, you expect to win. And and that's where so much of the frustration has come from, from the last couple of weeks is that we finally, finally you've got an inspired defense and uh, now the offense is just completely cratered here. Well, I think the other thing that frustrates me, and I think probably frustrates a lot of people, is when they get it together. I mean, those 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 two drives in the fourth quarter Saturday night. I mean, what the hell, man? They they had no answer for us. Why can't we do that all the time? What is the what is the disconnect? Why can't our coaches be smart enough to look at our film and find out what works and keep doing that? But they don't. And I think you look at all the talent we have a wide receiver and a quarterback. And it's really kind of mystifying to me that we're not more effective. And if you look at the running backs, the running situation, running the ball, we are successful when we run the ball. We are. There's no debate about it. And they won't call the damn plays. It's just maddening. Yeah, you can't you can't expect to be successful running it 11 times and then yeah. point to the 11 times and say, well, because in their average, just running the ball on those 11 carries wasn't very good on Saturday night, but again, it goes to the point that's, that is an aspect of your offense that you have to be patient with, or it just isn't going to be successful. And 
I mean, well, I don't have there. Has there been a point this season where they have been patient with it? I, I really, well, I can't, no, they, I can't no. think of one. No. And I'm going to push back on you because if, if you take out the sacks against the door, uh, you know, so, so Wilkerson had four carries for 17 yards, which is a 4.3 yard average. Anthony Hankerson had two carries for eight yards, which was a four point average. Now that's not enough carries to make a statistically significant deduction, but they're both over four yards of carry. So it is effective. Every time you gave those two guys the ball, it worked. Now, when you get the ball up the middle, uh, Dylan Edwards had five carries for six yards. <laughs> how, how stupid do you have to be, man? These two guys, Wilkerson and Hankerson, you give them the ball and they gain yards. You give it to uh, Edwards and he does not. So you get it to him outside the tackles, it, it you know, it's just working me up. It, it just gets me so angry because it does. It, you can't say that it wasn't uh, statistically effective with the running backs because it was. Well, there were a couple times that Pat Shermer dialed up a, a play call in which Hankerson and Edwards in the open field would have been able to be successful, but Edwards had a drop and then, Hankerson had the one where he tripped over himself and would have been running for a long time. Um, so there were some plays to be had out there. The execution wasn't there. Like you said, the offensive line play uh, struggled again. As much as anything, though, because there were, there were times early this season, William, that the O-line was struggling and Shadour Sanders was still able to put up big numbers. I think he is just – I mean – I don't think. I mean, it's pretty clear at this point. You even hear Coach Prime talk about it. That I mean, he is super beat up at this point. He's not the same quarterback he was early in the season. No, I think both physically and mentally, he's he's pretty shell shocked at this point. He's he's physically beat up, and in his mind, he doesn't trust his protection, so it's hard to do the job. I think they're also they're not. You know, as I think about uh, watching um, Washington and, and Lichtenhan, you know, you're not doing your tackles any favors when you don't run the ball because those defensive ends are not even pretending to read for the run. They're just at, at, at the snap of the ball, they're pinning their ears back and going. And, you know, there's not a lot of offensive tackles that are going to do well against that every single play of every single game. And the damn did offensive coordinators we have aren't helping them out. You know, you look at, at Charles Kelly on the defensive side and he calls plays that allow his players to, to play to their strengths. Um, and he makes the most out of what he has and our, on the offensive side, our coaches take whatever we have. And, you know, I don't know, you know, you know at some positions it's pretty darn good and they don't play to those strengths at all. So it, it's just frustrating to me, you know, people can say whatever they want. This offensive thing is not a talent thing. It's a coaching thing. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not a black or white thing, right? There's a lot of things that are adding to some of these issues. Um, well, if you think if you think you're if you think you're going to go in and bring in five All American offensive linemen, first of all, that's not going to happen. And secondly, is it going to make a difference? Not with what's going on right now. It's not. Well, yeah, they're. I would imagine going to have a new offensive line coach in 2024, right? What, what do you want to see out of that person? Uh, you mentioned South Sanzeri. So you're looking for some, some, <clears throat> I mean, is that too black? Am I, is that, am, am I being too blunt or too, uh, 
making fun of it. I'm just competence, man. I mean, it'd be nice to see an offensive line coach be competent and watch his watch his players get better from week to week instead of getting worse from week to week. I don't, and and you know, I don't have a context for it, man, because I've never had an offensive lineman I coach get worse. So I don't know what they're doing. I, I I I just don't understand, and I've never understood what does a coach do now. You know, with Fat Rodriguez, he didn't show up half the time, so I get that. But when you're out there practicing every day and the guys get worse, I don't know what you're doing to make that happen. So what I want, what I want, look, I want that Oregon State offensive line, man. Is that asking too much? Those are not. Those are not five star and four star guys. They're not. They're all three-star guys. They're all run-of-the-mill average guys. And they turned them into world beaters because they're good at their damn job. There is a big difference between competence and Oregon State's offensive line. <laughs> Not really. You know, they no, have No, come on. I mean, Oregon State might have has the best offensive line in the, in the Pac-12, maybe in the country. Competence, I think, is is kind of what we saw from Colorado's offensive line, maybe in um 2016. Uh, we saw it from them. We definitely saw it from them in, in 19 under Kavalovich, maybe a step above competent. That that group was pretty solid. Um, there have been there have been competent groups that uh, have still gotten some criticism, but they've at least put you know the offense in a position to where in, in most situations uh it can be successful. And a lot of times with Colorado, it's been the quarterback play. Now you got the quarterback and um uh, you got the O-line yeah. issues. Uh, that, well, what do you what do you think what do you, what do you think that offensive line coach is doing up there? I mean, to me, when you have a competent offensive line coach and he teaches them what to do and they know their assignments and they know the techniques and everything else, then that's what you get. Well, I you think know, it I, is. I think it, it is needing a coach with more power five experience coaching the offensive line. Um, but I also do think it, it is a talent issue to a, to a certain degree. Now, I, I do think. Van who, Wells, Jerry. Who, who, who do they have? Who do they have that coming out of wherever they came from was any more highly recruited than what we have? Well, Nobody. that come. Well, that's on the offensive line coach to evaluate that recruit, right? Develop them, right? Yeah, yeah. So there, is, but there is a talent component there. Like you can't tell me that Colorado has um, better than average talent on their offensive line when you you look at their starting guards uh, this season? Well, I can say that I, I can say that they have enough talent on that offensive line to have a competent offensive line. Okay. And I'll stand by it and I'll repeat it and I'll say, it and I'll put my name on it. There's enough talent there to have a competent offensive line. If there's a, a good offensive line coach and a, uh, a competent offensive coordinator who, who calls plays to help them out. Is there is there enough is there enough talent on there? I think there's enough talent. It's a complicated question because they all came together this year. But I think if 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 this had been a more tradition, if if, if we had all these guys on the offensive line and that offensive line coach at Oregon State had been coaching them for three years, yeah, it'd be as good as off as good as Oregon State's offensive line. Okay. Yeah, I you got to look on your face and you're, you're saying, "Okay, I don't give a damn if anybody believes me or not." I'm telling no, you, no. I, I well, we, we've had the we've had the conversation before, but I do think offensive line and quarterback are the two toughest positions to evaluate coming to high school. I do think that you can recruit three star offensive linemen and have a really darn good offensive line. Yeah, it does come down to the coach, but it's not. It's not the star rankings that I'm talking about. It's the evaluation component that uh, is tough, I think, for somebody like Bill O'Boyle, 
coming from the ranks where he coached for so long because it does take a different type of athlete to go against those UCLA pass rushers they went against out at the Rose Bowl. I mean, those guys, quite a few of them are going to be playing in the NFL. And so if right. your experience is <clears throat> coaching Missouri Valley type guys, you don't have that experience to know the type of athleticism and talent that it takes to excel at the Pac-12 level when you're recruiting right off the bat. And so um, I do think they missed more on the offensive linemen that they brought in this past offseason than when you look to the defensive line and you look at guys that, yeah, Leonard Payne Jr. isn't going to be all-conference this year. Amari McNeil is not going to be all-conference, but they're they're more than competent to to steal your word that you use. And so I think the evaluation was better on that side of the ball. So – that's kind of where the where, where I'm saying I'm not saying you're wrong in the in the sense that this can't be a competent offensive line. I'm just saying when you look to the future, they need to upgrade the talent there. I don't think you can go in this offseason thinking that we've got the pieces to be successful. We just need to get the right coach. I think you need to get a new coach, and I also think you need to upgrade the talent. And uh, there are guys that uh, even Coach Prime said this after the UCLA game that with some seasoning that are going to be pretty good. I do think. There are good offense linemen in this program. Um, but yeah, no, I I, I think well, it is the coaching component, but also the coaching component tied into the evaluation piece of it. Well, I guarantee you that the, the that the people watching this that nobody nobody understand. I don't know. I guess I don't speak English very clearly because people don't grasp what I say. And they're oh, Mr. Sunshine Pumper always uh blind optimism. Well, that's bullshit. I have never said anything like that ever about any of this stuff. All I've ever said along the line is we got guys good enough here that if they had good coaching, they could be decent. Okay. Now, if everybody wants to make that out, that all I ever do is pump sunshine, well, blow it out your ass, man, because I never said that. Um, Coaching matters at this level. Anything, anybody, anybody who thinks it's all Jimmy's and Joe's and not the X's and O's, first of all, you don't know the first damn thing about football and you don't understand what you're talking about. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. We need to bring in uh, uh, some, some better guys up front on offense. Quite frankly, the ones they brought in this year, regardless of what their talent is, they've been wrecked and they've been ruined. And and you know that's been the that's been the par for the course for stinking CU football for four or five years. You know is we whatever whatever you bring to the table as an offensive lineman, you're going to get worse here. I wouldn't come. I wouldn't send my kid to play offensive line at this school if you paid me. Well, I guess you do pay them. But the bottom line is, until somebody gets serious about hiring an offensive line coach at this school who's not a clown, who's not a, you know, career division two guy or freaking selling sleds out of a used car dealership or something like that, then we're going to have this kind of offensive line, but it takes coaching and it does take talent. But, you know, if they, uh, you know what, let's move on because I'm just done talking about it. Everybody's going to say what they're going to say. And well, 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 I would say look into the future. Uh, do you do you have faith that Coach Prime is going to hire the right guy for that job going forward? And if the answer is yes, then it's going to it stinks right now and it, it's not fun, but it's not hopeless for the future, right? Well, I don't know, man. You know, I got more question marks about Coach Prime right now than I did eight weeks ago. But do I think he will go out and 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 hire better coaches on the offensive side? Yes, I I think he will. You know, I mean, he went out and he got a first rate coaching staff. I think he's got to have to move on. Well, 
I think he's hired a pretty darn good coaching staff on the defensive side, and I think they're going to bring in players and they're going to turn them into players. You know, I know Sal's in series towards the end of his career, so I don't know if he's got another year or two in him. Um, but we need to bring in a competent offensive coordinator. We need to bring in with him a, a really great offensive line coach. We need to go out and we need to spend the money. You know, I, you know, the hell with the NIL. There ain't, ain't no point spending NIL on offensive linemen until you spend the money to get one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. And we need to go out there and just steal somebody away from somebody who's got a first-rate uh, power five offensive line. And then we need to bring in the players. We need to make that happen soon because we need to have somebody who who can get on board and, and tell you know guys like Seton that, that you're going to have a good offensive line coach and you're not going to come into a uh, you know a crap show like we've got right now. Yeah, I, and I'm not trying to set you set you off on a, another rant here, but I, I would say one area I do really strongly agree with you is that right up there with the coordinators your O-line coach and how good he is, is so indicative of your team's success, your ceiling, what your floor looks like. And so um, very, very important decisions for the future of this program that are going to be made. Um, and and I do agree with you that you can coach guys up. I just, I also see some misses in, in the recruiting realm well, that, that that aren't as prevalent when you look to the defensive line to where, even the guys that aren't stars are still, you know, pretty darn competent players at the, at this level. But, you know, I've been saying this for weeks and I've been saying from, from day one, I said about Bill O'Boyle, it concerned me that he had never been at this level. I've been saying that. And for anybody who didn't hear it, well, go back because I've been saying it all along. I had concerns whether he would understand exactly what it requires talent and size wise at this level. Um, uh, uh, because he's never been at this level and he spent most of his career at, at, at a much lower level. Um, and the, the one move to, that concerned me the most was when he brought in Jack Bailey, cause just looking at the guy, I could tell he's not that big. He's not big enough, you know, and tough guy or not want to want to have it or not. Hell, I'm a tough guy too, but I can't play offensive line at the power five level, you know, and that, that to me was the first hint that, uh, maybe we got a problem here. And then, um, you know, I think BB's a reasonable guy to bring in, uh, not necessarily as a starter, but uh, we needed other options at guard that we didn't, that didn't develop. And we brought in, uh, you know, I don't have the list up there, but nine or ten guys, and 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 they're all they're all none of them are any good. Washington, I guess Brown, we don't know because the NCAA kicked him out, but. Uh, you know, so far the evaluation process, and I have to assume it was old Boyle that, that evaluated and picked them all, um, was, was worthless. So yeah, we need an entirely new, uh, I, 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 we need an entirely new way of evaluating offensive line with somebody who's actually competent for the power five level. We need to bring in those guys who can play at this level and be effective but they also have to be developed and taught. Now, I think we have an excellent strength and conditioning staff, and now we need an offensive line coach to take to take those that that size and strength and power and teach them how to use it because they don't come in. It's playing offensive line is the most unnatural thing in football because you don't just line up and go out and do it. You, you have to really learn and understand it because you're not the even the best offensive linemen in the country are not as good as athletes as the guys across from them. So you have to learn the technique and you have to trust it. Um, 
So they need to get that. That needs to be first priority, offensive coordinator and offensive line coach. And please, Jesus, let's not bring in the offensive coordinator's best friend with them. I'm I'm so sick. I'm so sick to death to see you having coaches bring in their pals. And I guess I, you know, as I say that, as it comes out of my mouth, there's a concern there too. If there was like a secret cloning lab on campus and they took Jordan Seaton in there on his visit and they could get five of those guys, goodness gracious, that is a big human being. Like even Ryan Miller, I didn't feel he was pretty darn college ready uh, coming out of Columbine. Man, Jordan Seaton, I think if you could clone him, you and me could coach that that old line. Well, you for sure. I, even I could coach Jordan Seaton offensive line to to be competent because uh, that would be a huge get. I think Oregon's going to be tough to beat there, but uh, it was nice to have him on campus. There he is. Still, the recruiting component that, that keeps you hopeful for things going forward. Um, recapping the last two weeks, William. This this really sums it up in a nutshell. Here, Colorado's defense had six takeaways obviously both in the first half of, of those last two games. How many points do you think Colorado got out of those six turnovers that they created? Uh, I'm going to say zero off the top of my head as I think back. Six points. Six, six yeah. points yeah. on six turnovers. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That that's With six turnovers, that should be two wins, statistically speaking, you know. Yeah. I think, you know, obviously there's an – obviously there's an – let, let, let me – I don't know where, where, how we're going to go with this, but let, let me, you know, clearly there's a problem with the offense. I believe Coach Prime will get that fixed. I don't believe he'll get it fixed in the next three weeks, um, but I think he'll get it fixed for next season. And, and everybody was talking about next season being the season anyway. Now I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking about cashing in the rest of the year. And certainly, you know, we got to protect Shador. And I think hopefully that, that I, 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 I I'm, I'm at a loss for how this offensive coaching staff can't look at their own film and figure out the problems. I, it must not be that smart, but I do believe that moving forward that, that coach prime surrounds himself with excellence and he doesn't surround himself with mediocrity. And when he, when there is mediocrity, he gets rid of it. So I do believe he'll bring in the right person. There are question marks to me about his game day coaching. And, and I think anybody that doesn't see that is not paying attention they don't seem to understand how to how to how to handle a clock. They don't seem to do well with those end of half and end of game uh, timing decisions, playmaking decisions. You know that the end of the first half Saturday night was a fiasco again. Um, they don't seem to have a sense of urgency when 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 they're run, running out of time. They don't seem to have an understanding of how to manage the clock. Um, you know. But I think those are things – Deion Sanders, to me, is a very smart person, and he learns, okay? He learns from his mistakes, and I think he's going to learn from his first season at the Power 5 level, um, and I think that he'll get better, okay? I think every first-year every first year staff has problems and question marks, and every first-year coach I've ever seen had some problems because of those issues, but, and they always make some changes – you know, Bill McCartney's first couple of staffs were a nightmare. And then you you bring in better guys at the positions where you need it and you build up a staff that that is better. So I do think that there's going to be significant improvement 
um, in the staff and the staff chemistry. Clearly, the the chemistry of the offensive staff has come apart at the seams. So, um, what will we see the next three weeks? That I don't know. Can can they put it back together a little bit? Can Shermer help with that? I don't know. I did appreciate the professionalism of all of them. You could tell that they were all working hard and coaching their butts off on the sidelines Saturday night. Um, so I don't know what the next three weeks hold, but it's very clear to me when you watch those those two drives in the fourth quarter that this offense can be very super effective. So we'll see what happens with that. I don't remember what you I don't remember Going back to a point you made about the poor clock management, uh, I spent some time on the drive home thinking, could this game have played out differently in the second half if you go in 7-3? The, the, the momentum, sometimes, especially when you're talking about college-age kids, can be so big, you know, coming right. out of the locker room. You wouldn't feel great going in down four, but – knowing how poor you'd played offensively just to, to come out getting the ball early in that second half. I, I wonder if things could have played out differently. We would just be guessing. There's no way to know. We can't run a simulation on it, but there was that feeling going into halftime that like, what the heck just happened? And, you know, it's going to be really tough for this team now to come back out and have the mojo that, um, they did it, you know, they have at times this season. Yeah, and I think, again, it goes back to football being a game of faith, and you you have a thing like that happen to you right at the end of the half, and, you know, um, it really, it really kind of knocks away at that faith, and I think at this point in the season, that offense doesn't believe in itself anyway, so having that happen um, really, really chips away at that confidence. And so, uh, I don't know. I, I think that, that, that the way that played out was just so bad, you know, that, that's a, that, yeah, it, it's hard to put it into words. The difference it makes that if you just take a knee and get into halftime and, and it's, what was it? Seven, seven to six, uh, what was it? Seven to three at that seven point. Three. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go into halftime, you're like, look guys, we're, we're going to, we can win this thing. You know, whereas you lose, you you have that happen and you go down and it's 14 to three. And all of a sudden it's like, that's a lot harder uh, onion to sell, you know, at that point. Really strange deal in the third quarter where Oregon State kicks an extra point, but there's a penalty on CU and they decide to then go for two. Uh, The snap is bobbled by DJU and Kendrick Breedlove picks it up, runs 88 yards. This is another crazy thing here, William. Sean Niehoff pointed this out to me going into the fourth quarter. Going into the fourth quarter, Kendrick Breedlove, with those 88 all-purpose yards on the return, had 10 more yards than Colorado's offense going into the fourth quarter. The yeah. offense only had 78 yards. That's kind of a a crazy stat to throw out there. I'm really not trying to depress everybody out there. I, I want to talk more about positive things, but, um, you know, the Buffs have lost three games in a row, and now all of a sudden bowl eligibility uh, is kind of slipping out of your fingers, and, and they're yeah. not going to be favored in the game again this year. So, um, I don't know. It's well, I, I don't want to keep throwing out depressing stats, but that was one that <laughs> – that really shocked me going into the fourth quarter. 
Yeah, that's, I, I know. I thought you were going to talk about that play itself, which is one of those uh, sh- sort of surprising plays you only see in college football. The last time I see, remember that happening, I think it was Greg Beaker did it, which tells you how long ago it was. But um, I don't know. You know, we, we can go. I don't know. You know, it's it's funny to me how fast human emotion and support can change. And, you know, and you, you look at the, after the CSU game and how excited and every, we were, Colorado was the hottest thing on the block. And I remember thinking to myself, look, you know, if we're three and oh now, and we wind up even six and six, there can be some hard days. And a lot of these people are going to jump off that bandwagon and, and start being negative about it, you know? Um, and now the way it's played out with a lot of the drama that's in, in, involved in it, I think there are already some fools who are, you know, I, th- I think there were always people who wanted Coach Prime to fail and who are now kind of gleeful going, hey, look, he's failing, but he's not. He really isn't. There's no, there is no argument to me that can be made that says that he's failing. Uh, I think he's having first year uh, staff issues that are not uncommon. Uh, I think he's learning lessons you know, that, that he needed to learn. And um, I think there is a learning curve to moving up from the HBCU level to the power five level. And he's learning. Um, And it's not, it's not easy for all of us. It's not pretty, but uh, I still think that we're in exactly the same positive position, you know, that we were back in um, January or December when this all started, you know, I, I don't think anybody thought we were going to, well, I don't know. I think a lot of people thought thought a lot of things. And I think a lot of people thought even more things after a three and zero start. But I don't think we're in any different position than we than we were all summer long. Except I, yeah. except a club of the Sean Lewis. Fan yeah, that, at, that part of it was more. very surprising. Didn't yeah, see yeah. that coming. Yeah. Do you think these next three weeks matter a ton, or if you get the OC higher right, the O line coach higher right? going forward that it doesn't really matter. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say bowl eligibility is an impossibility at, at this point, but you certainly can't expect that at this, at this phase. I think they matter. I, I, I think it's important to get a win in there somewhere. I think that it's important that they keep fighting. They all keep having faith in prime. Look, we can't do this again the way we did it last year. We can't wash out this whole uh, team and start over again. Okay. We got these guys, many, many of these guys that are on this team now have to keep the faith and, 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 and stick around and come back next year. Okay. We can't, we can't do 80 guys again. So they have to have some success and they all have to believe and buy in, you know, but I don't know by the same token, I was, I was here in what 83, I think when we went one and 10 and, and, you know, at the end of the season, it was ugly, and people were backbiting and talking stuff about each other. And then the next season, we won. You know, we went seven and four, seven and four. So, uh, is it the end of the world if we don't win anything on the way on the way out? No. Um, it just means that we got to make more improvements. I guess I don't know, but uh, but I, I want to see continued improvement on the offense. I want to see continued improvement from the defense, and sooner or later, guys got to step up. You know, I, I really liked seeing the the level of talent of 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 um, Travis Hunter and, and Xavier Weaver on that drive. You know, I mean, it's really impressive. So let's find those guys. Amarian Amarian Miller or Cooper. Which one's off receiver? I 
Miller's the the receiver. Yeah. 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 You know, his his one big catch was showed tremendous athleticism. So let's start getting the ball more to those guys. And I don't know, you know, let, let's let's see what we can do with these last three weeks. Washington State certainly got problems. Um, so maybe we can steal the win there. Um, but I think how they play uh will matter a great deal to them as they go into winter conditioning. So I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know how much it matters. Well, I can say that I'm excited that we've got a noon kickoff coming. We finally have afternoon football at Folsom Field. It's been such a turbulent season just from the highs and the lows. And uh, it's it's been pretty exhausting. At the same time, it's kind of crazy that senior day is already coming up this quick, you know? Yeah, it, it, I think exhausting is a good word. There's been so much drama ever since, really, since December around this program, you know, and I wonder if it'll ever get back to any sort of a normal level uh, when you have Coach Prime as the head coach. But uh, it, it's been it's been a season that e- even when it was all going well, those first three weeks, it was kind of exhausting. Yeah, and, I mean, a, a lot of the a lot of the drama, though, early on, you're talking, I mean, a lot of that was other coaches just running their mouth. I mean, it wasn't really right. on Colorado. Um, I know Shiloh Sanders took a lot of flack for kind of pregame at Oregon uh, and Trevor Woods at, at, at Autzen Stadium. But aside from that, most of most of the the real drama was coming from from other teams. Well, in terms of drama, I guess I, I also included like you know having all those you know dr- ex- excitement and fun can be drama too. I guess I'm just you know like having all the the teeth that the Saturday morning shows here in Boulder and everything else. There's just a lot going on, you know. Well, I, I'd sign up for some more of that drama. Yeah, sign me up for totally. that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, getting a- anything like that's going to be positive. But it's just been a, it's just been a kind of a uh, I don't know, you know, it, it's like one of those long boxing matches, you know, <laughs> we're kind of getting a little punch drunk here at the end, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. William, I, I appreciate you. I, I, I know you, uh, no one can question your passion for CU and, and, um, you know, I hope no one takes umbrage with the fact that you're passionate about this. You should be. And, uh, We've done way too many of these negative podcasts over the years. And, uh, you know, that that's why it was so fun early in the season. So hopefully we can get back to that soon because those are a whole lot more fun than, uh, you know, drudging through uh, negative stats and, yeah. and the like. Well, anybody that gets upset about somebody being pet, well, look, if you're not passionate, you wouldn't be here doing this. I mean, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not here because we're saving lives or anything. We're here because we enjoy it and it means something to us. Right. And so uh, the whole point of these podcasts is to talk about something that we care about and that we're excited about and, uh, you know, that we're hoping to see better times about. And I, I think we ought to, I think we ought to talk, you know, I mean, I, I, I think we just need to keep repeating that the things are going well, in a larger sense, there's a macro and a micro, and the micro part's not that great right now, but the macro sense is still looking really good. Look at the guys we had on campus for visits this weekend, and we need to win some of those battles, and we need to win some of them on the offensive line, certainly, and, and the defensive line, but we, we really still have a bright future, I think, ahead of us, um, and people need to be able to believe that, and I think people are going to get caught up in the negativity of the moment, and that's what you're going to hear about. Uh, right now, um, and there's a lot of unknowns and question marks going on with that offense and that, and that offensive staff. But you know what? We'll just wait and see and play it out. 
All right, William, I appreciate you. I got to take off here. I got to go do some things around the house. Uh, my poor family is uh, probably ready for this football season to end, so I can yeah. uh, be a little bit more attentive around the house. But like I said, I do appreciate you. I, I know these podcasts uh, are not as fun as the ones we did early in the season, but thanks to you and thanks everybody out there for tuning in.